Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Nerds of Legend. I am Ben. Next to me is Brendan, and below me is Joel, and we're going to be here to talk about Red Shirts by John Scalzi. Um, by Will Wheaton. It's uh, by, voiced by Will Wheaton. Um, yeah, that was, that was horrible. Will yeah, Wheaton. And uh, just a couple things. Next Tuesday, we're going to be talking about uh, the remaining ten... Uh, legions of Warhammer 40k, the Emperor's Angels themselves, and we're going to have a whole lot of fun doing it. Other than that, on Thursdays, uh, as always, we will uh, be continuing our Dungeons & Dragons campaign. And with that, since I picked the book this week, it will be me that is one, the one that gives the synopsis. So, do we need a timer anymore? Or do we you need- do. You definitely do. Oh, fuck. All right. Ready when you are. Go! The book Red Shirts is a story that All right, is, wrap it up. You're running out uh, of time. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is uh, basically, it's a, it's, it's a sort of Star Trek parody. It's, uh, it's basically there's this guy that gets, I can't remember the name of the Federation. Uh, it's like the Union of Federated Planets or something. It's a sort of future-versed. Uh, In, intentionally vague. Sci-fi thing, intentionally vague, so you, so you can't tell what uh, science fiction paradigm it's in but it's you can tell it's in star trek uh this guy he's uh he's sort of maybe not necessarily mary sue but he's got the perfect background for the story uh where he eventually he joins the flagship of the united federation of planets and the finds universal union the universal union uh, the W. The W. Um, and <laughs> the he, he immediately yeah, figures out that there's yeah. there's something wrong with this ship, whereby every time there there is an away mission, uh, uh, someone wearing a red an ensign of some sort, someone wearing a red shirt dies, but anyone who's a uh, who's a who's from senior the main officer. who's a senior officer makes it out and depending on which se- dramatically and whichever senior officer it is uh is tells you how likely it is for it to be a very fatal mission um whether it's the captain the science officer the fir- the uh uh the number one or the engineering officer um, and he, he, he discovers what seems to be a vast conspiracy because everyone on the Brit on the crew of the ship is living their lives in fear. He eventually finds like a sort of like conspiracy theorist sort of guy that's basically like, don't become part of the narrative, um, who is basically living in the like tunnels within the, the in the ship. Uh, and they eventually find out that their um, the ship has become the subject of yes, Brendan. No, one minute. <laughs> oh, uh, his, their ship has basically become the subject of a television episode from 2013. Um, so the um, the main characters of of the book, who are not the main bridge officers, find a way to f- get themselves to go back in time using the plot of a previous episode of the show, and uh, uh, by kidnapping one of the bridge officers, and then. They find find the some cast members of the show, uh, and find a way to uh, end the show, and that's kind of basically it. <laughs> end scene. 
two seconds to spare didn't cut out anything. Not bad. I mean, I, except I, for the majority of the plot. Bullshit. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, the the fact the fact that it was a show like and like that, once that you get another. They that was what made me. The first chapter sucked. Like I yes. was like, I hate. Football. So I will I say. I will say, if you're listening to this book on audiobook, the first chapter is very difficult, brutal to get through. Because I'm not it saying it's it's a problem. It's like I think it's because of however, like it's so. If you listen to this on Kindle, it's narrated by Will Wheaton, and he has yes. a very uh, precise way of speaking. And uh, John Scalzi likes to do a lot of. He said, she said, they said, but dialogue. I also think it was. I also think it was in the spirit of it's making fun of bad sci-fi, mm, which mm. would also mean bad writing. So I think and if you, if you read it, like it would make a lot of sense. It almost reads like a screenplay. It does. It does yeah. a shitty screenplay, one right. that somebody wrote together post Hangover. You so know, like, like, like just like post binge drinking, and is like so if you, not really writing if you, out. If you listen to this book, it's hard. But I, I, I don't think if you read the book chapter that it would be one as bad. Is hard. After chapter, one, chapter is hard. one, it does. It is not as bad. Yeah, but yeah. there's a lot of like, there's like literally a full five minute like period where it's just like, he said, she he said, she said, said they yep. said, he said, he said, she said, blah blah blah, like back and by forth. The, and by I'm the like, sure, yeah. And like, it's like typically if you're talking to like a like an author if it's like if you can tell it's a dialogue you don't have to go back and like you don't have to keep saying he said she said he said but in hindsight it fit in right. hindsight the whole thing fit in the tr- in the whole like view of it being like a bad sci-fi script like it everything made sense right. because in a bad script you have to in a bad script or bad story you do stuff like he said and then and that was all there you do everything was and it's just like corner, and, and then, it's just like and, and it's just like, a really this? dry line that's like yeah. there's no like he like there, uh, do we not have any adjectives like what's going on like right like, it was written by you know. a by what you would imagine like a nerdy junior high student who would get out there and I think it was it's John Scalzi like yes, he, he does stuff think, that's satire like this is a but, satire of a Star Trek but I have movie. gone his his writing style in like Old Man's War. And the ghost war, totally different. Mm-hmm. It's still, you can still stel- tell it's Scalzi. Like his thumbprint is all over that manuscript. But he had a specific viewpoint that he was trying mm-hmm. to get across. And that was, we are in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and what's funny is even the logic leaps in this book are idiotic, like in Star Trek. Like, the guy sitting there being like, I went like Jenkins, the guy who lives in the ductwork, but yet he's a giant Sasquatch. And nobody ever sees him. Hey, he's super hairy or whatever. Yeah, and... like he just everybody's like, hey, he looks like a Sasquatch. And he's the you definitely will never miss him. You'll never like miss this guy. If he's standing there, you're going to see him. And yet he's able to hide in the ductwork, you yeah. know, essentially. And he's like, I've gone through all of the records. Okay, so you got a ship covered in sensors, and you're able to hide from all of them, and at the same time, go through every piece of data of every ship ever, and you're like, mm-hmm. Starship Enterprise, the only thing that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it's that kind of, like, high sci-fi ridiculous yeah. leap 
that made it to where he's like, well, of course we did this. Mm-hmm. And it's, and then he, he became like the, the sage where he like knows, like, watch, there's going to be a dramatic pause and that's a commercial break. And, you know, all of this, it, to me, it was, it was very reminiscent of a, you know, Star Trek, the original series episode. Right. Yeah. It yeah. just, it felt like it. Like, yeah. I mean, it felt like any of like, like TNG, it felt like a TNG or like OG Star Trek. Oh, no. Episode. Mine, mine was the original series in my head. Yeah. The captain. What it was, was Kirk. Was, it was Kirk. Yeah. Like they all took their names. Science Officer Keen was Spock. Like all of them took mm-hmm. off, like in my head. All of them did. Like even the scenes where like the engineer rushes into the, and he's like, we can't do it, Captain. We need more power. You're like, why are you not in engineering? You know, but it was, and he actually references that. The guy's like looking around, be like, why the fuck isn't that guy in engineering? It makes no sense. I'm just going to say, Scalzi's you know? got a new book coming out on September 19th. Whose pick is it this time? It's not mine, but I'm just saying there's a new book from Scalzi coming out on September 19th. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was supposed to be me. I was indisposed, so Ben chosen my stead. Yeah. That doesn't answer my question. Who's, whose choice is it next? Mine. Can I'm make taking, it Brendan's. I'm oh. taking it. <laughs> I don't remember. When's the last pick I got? Uh, who cares? Uh, you Fuck. picked it random, and then we... You picked it random, and then we ended up deciding not to cover the episode. Oh, <laughs> oh that's right. That's why. That's why. That's right, because she was, like, stealing the identity of, like, indigenous people. Controversial. She was not... Anyway, so like Joel, right? Right, right. And here I was giving Brendan shit in the beginning for his like mildly racist due to me being old. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, so I get for picking cheap paperbacks, but (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. So, so this this book, um, it hits all of like the like honestly best book I think we've done yet. My opinion, I'm going to say best book we've read yet. I don't know about that. It's been really, it was really good. Like just as a satire, like it's just like every, there's so many moments where it's like, ah, <laughs> like, yeah, enjoyment <laughs> read, like, like just quality just, shit, but yeah. like enjoyability of the story. I think I got through it in two sessions. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you don't count me bitching up a storm about the, the first like, chapter, the first chapter, yeah. but then chapter two, through the rest, like you got me. Read. Yeah, it was a, it was a fast read for sure. No, yeah, it was. Uh, it um, the narrative was the best. I can make it to the cave entrance. There's sandworms everywhere. Well, it's funny because it was like <laughs> it got brought up how they were like, oh no, it's like they're like, no, you don't bring it up to the senior officers because they'll just literally forget about it. The next, the next second, they like they don't even realize what's going on. They're like, "What are you talking about?" Because it's like they have like an amnesiac episode every time mm-hmm. they get taken over by the narrative, and they're like, mm-hmm. "Man, the quality of officers has really gone down of as of late <laughs> and stuff like that." <laughs> it's like we need we need better people, and it's well, just what like about the one where the guy dies and he's like, "It's really tough to lose a man." After you've lost like five thousand people in the yeah. last like year, yeah. Yeah, I can't yeah. even remember like what the number was, but it was like it was like un- like oh in the like, hundreds. Yeah, it was well in the hundreds. The hundreds. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so basically, so they confront the writer. Uh, so like, I think the genius of this book was they they complete the main story of where the 
the people confront like these these unwitting participants in the narrative like from the future go back and confront the writer and producer <laughs> brilliant like which is awesome they they find a way to so find great. like they find an extra who is like the body double of the main character or the like like the 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 in the uh the modern uh yeah the mo- the the modern um uh, like actor and analog analog of the main character yeah. and they they literally are like clones of each other like down to yeah. the freckle which and, and scar like down yeah, to like freckles and scars they're like they're like exact analogs of each other and then, uh, so he's like, all after right, kidnap, I believe you. After they kidnap Kowalski. And then Chekhov. they... Just be honest, yeah. that was Chekhov, Chekhov. from the original yeah. series. And then, and then they kidnap, kidnap the actor for Chekhov. <laughs> <laughs> and, and bring him back to their hotel and are like, hey. And he's like, I don't believe you. And then uh, Chekhov <laughs> and Kowalski and <laughs> think they banged. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like they're so arrogant. What are they going to do? They're in there. Have you never? Have you never met someone who understands you to the bare, barest fiber of your being? It's like how could you think that we would have fucked? <laughs> anyway, so so the wild thing is they fix the story. The story where it's like, all right, we'll end. We'll end the show so that y'all don't start. Hold on. In the in the craziest plot twist is the. The producer is checked out because his son is gotten a horrible motorcycle accident and is in a vegetative state. So their yeah. plan is to take them to switch the body doubles of um can never remember the guy Has- Haskell or whatever uh, the hell his name is. But uh, shit, whatever. Got, yeah, yeah. The, he switched it. The Protag. Yeah. No, no, no. no, no. There's like the, the 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 side guy. Um. It is, it, is, it is it Dahl? Is it Andrew Dahl? Oh. No, but they switch they they switch his body with Oh, um, oh with Jenkins. Yes, Jen- no, Jenk- no Jenkins. Right? No, Jenkins Jenkins is the crazy guy. Uh Hansen. Hester. Hester, there you go. Jasper. I can remember his first name. Which he made a big yeah. scene out of it. Intentionally no, forgettable names. Yes. Hester. And Hester was the pro was um the producer's son. Mm-hmm. And it was in a and so their plan was to have Hester go back as um to stay as the producer's son and then go back, take the, the producer's son back and call him Hester. Yeah, because the thing is like everything be fixed. The people the from the future have to like um stick to the rules of the universe as prescribed by the show. The conventions of the plot, yeah. basically. So Which basically means like, they cannot be in the past for more than five days or their atoms disappear. Right. And they're like they basically dissolve into goo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so send yeah, sending the cast the cast version back uh to the show period. The they revert the to his yeah. original form in the in the show. In the show, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Yep. yeah, and so it it, it heal. It basically, it heals the comatose version of him, and the other version of him is okay in the past. And so at, both yeah. versions of him are everybody are, just pops up, so, all good to go. So the yeah. final third of the book is uh, a version Brilliant. of 
is a version of first person, second person, and third person. So first person is from the point of view of the author of him coming to the terms with like every time I write a every time I make make a character die, someone dies in real life in the future. And it's him like basically on a Reddit forum, basically being like, what do I do? And then like it comes it basically turns into him being like the someone being like it's not that you're a bad writer it's you're a lazy writer and they basically tell him like write better like you don't like you're you're giving all these characters pointless deaths stop giving them pointless deaths like when they were they were explaining to you how finn died yeah by that guy who was upset with captain with uh he was upset with captain abernathy yeah Abernathy, and, yes. Uh, so he kept a bomb in his head for like ten years. Until he, yeah, until he accidentally comes up to him so he could blow his head up. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't make any sense. That that whole thing was just you just made yeah. somebody die Major, for no yeah. reason. Yeah, knee jerk yeah. deaths, you know. And there's that's an, and that was. Yeah. Go ahead. There's an entire layer underneath this. I mean, it, it's straight up satire, but there's an entire layer that shields the plot of the narrative because of the fact that you are aware as the reader, almost like you're aware. If you're watching an episode of TOS, like the original series, and you mm-hmm. see Kirk and Spock in the elevator, mm-hmm. and you see the line, the lights going of you know from the levels, if you spend a couple hours, even a couple of minutes reading about, about the budget they had, you know that there were people behind the set with lights and a piece of paper going like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I, and as you read this, there's the intentional implausibility and the intentional thinness of the script that, you know, is, Oh, just hand waving from a, from a piss poor writer. And right. so that's why well, like, there's always like a disaster six, on deck. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. they only had sets for those three. Yeah. And so, yeah, exactly. And um, I think the strength of this book is, Scalzi knows exactly how long to play with each portion of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, Tom, a really good friend of mine wrote a play, a one-act play called um, The Understudy, about how the uh, characters in a stage play slowly come to the realization that they are characters in a play, and when the play ends, they will cease to exist. Mm. And they will re- they will revert back to being the actors, and that instance of them in the play will no longer be alive. And so one of them wants to end the play and, 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 and doesn't care. One of them is trying to go chaotic and go off script before yeah. the play ends. And the other one like is coming to terms with existence. Scalzi knows exactly how long to go with the, um, the, the stranger than fiction meets galaxy quest, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like knows exactly how long to play with. Oh, Hey, there's a writer and, and, and they're screwing everything up. Um, the third part, they go first person. There's multiple epilogues, but none of them felt uh, excessive. Right. Right. Opening, yeah, the it opening. Did. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, the, the, I was gonna say the opening chapter one. I I read instead of listening to audiobook, and so as it's someone, probably who's, your best call. That was some, a horrible, yeah. horrible chapter. As someone who's read screenplays, it was you know there, there's really like no a screenplay. There's there's no prose. There's just dialogue or yeah. you know stage notes at best. Yeah. And so there was a comedic timing and intentional comedic delivery. And um, yeah, I didn't feel like I didn't feel like any portion of red shirts was too much, and I also felt like it, he knew Scalzi knew when to jump from yeah. um, different con- different critiques to concepts to uh, to homage. Absolutely, he did. Yeah. It was it the way that you got to, like I, 
again, I felt like I took a journey with them. Like oh, yeah. you feel like you're with Fully. Dahl as he's yeah. figuring it out. As you know, in the beginning, he's like Jenkins is out of his mind. He thinks we're on a show, like to the point where he's like, "Where?" And I'll, best part of the book was they're with Kowalski and the guy or Abernathy, and the guy brings somebody with him, and he dies, and he's like, "This was his last away mission." He was mm-hmm. two days from retirement. Yeah, and they're like, yes. oh my god! And then they're like, yep. I think the best, the best moment like, though, <laughs> the best moment though was when Dahl wakes up. Sorry if this is a, this is a spoiler. Oh, this we're all filled with spoilers. Yeah. So yeah, Dahl wakes up in the final like scene of like the main story, and Jenkins is there, and he's like, and then Jenkins is like. I finally decided it was time to stop being in hiding. Basically, because like Jenkins, Jenkins saved Dahl's life. Yeah, because he was like he di- he basically got punctured through the spleen in in deck six yeah. or whatever, and 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 Which Jenkins really came thought, out and like, saved him. Me. You're like, oh god like, damn it! He finally he fixed everything, and then <laughs> and the writer's like, "Fuck you! I'll write shitty if I want to." <laughs> it, it, it sort of reminded me of when Will Ferrell's character thought he was going to croak in Stranger Than Fiction, and then ha- had successfully convinced the author otherwise. Dude, there was like, I I need to like write down all those ones that were listed in um in uh the the first person view because i feel mm-hmm. like those are all book are books and or movies that i need to read <laughs> yeah yeah so so i actually a, a very strong um um uh very strong feeling of babylon 5 mm-hmm. it was very evocative of babylon 5 when i read the portion where he's lamenting on on uh reddit because mm-hmm. for those who know Mid, mid to late 90s, as that, as that show was taking off, J. Michael Straczynski actually resorted to reading the online forums to make decisions about the plot and character decisions because the it was a science fiction show. He's show, trying so to, he, like, avoid, like, fan criticism or... No, like- no, no. Well, just, well, just the opposite. So because it's a science fiction show, those who were following the show were in technological fields, were educated, mm. passionate... Um, I mean, we watched Stargate Atlantis at 2 a.m. during engineering school, you yeah. know, so those, the, you know, those who are technologically proficient tend to follow. Dude, I've seen all the star. I've seen all the Stargate. I'm not proficient at shit. Correlation does not apply causation, but let's just say a lot I'm of engineers like Star Trek. Yeah, uh, like hole in that theory of yours, buddy. Here's a throwback to, to Ringworld. Um, a bunch of physics students from MIT. Um, chanted the ring, uh, the ring world is unstable uh, at his first uh, convention about the story, and he actually and had then to, he fixed the science. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, J. Michael Straczynski's show Babylon Five was picking picking up so much, people were giving him hints, so like, hey, like this would behave this way, or oh, and, and then they throw up their theories, and he go, wait a second, I see the theories, I don't know how the story's over yet. Maybe these theories will help me, you know. So, no. so he was ge- he was given um, a lot of material to work with, and so that that really re- related to me, um, mm-hmm. the author in this case in the first epilogue. Yeah, yeah. I just I I, I it was is weird because I finished like I was like 
oh, the, the story's over. And then it was like, oh, the author's point of view. And I was like, wait a second, there's still like an hour there's and a half left. left. Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then it went to the, the point of view of like the guy that got left, like the Haster that got left behind, so to speak, and him coming yeah. to terms with that. And then it was the, um, the wife. Uh, and I think it was the, the best send off because it was like the wife. That was like the happiest ending. Oh my gosh. I I was like, that was I mean, like you could see it coming, but it was also like were filled with I was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like there's this. But it so, wasn't the two. It wasn't the two. It was the it was the writer. Yeah. Cause it was like the first, second, and third point of view, and it was like mm-hmm. awesome. Cause it was like ah it's just it, it hit this this book, I I you know, I thought it was just it was I journey. thought it was just gonna be a Star Trek parody and okay. it became so much more than it ended mm-hmm. up being and well, I enjoyed it. I don't know if you um were that close to Star Trek uh as a child. Oh okay. Like, so TNG that was- TNG was my shit. That was like all I watched, like all the like I would like come home from school. And I would just like watch TNG marathons like constantly. So like, don't tell me I don't feel the the Star Trek love. No, Ooh, it's a no, nerd off. I'm not saying you didn't, but like, as a child, like, because I'm older than both of you, like, I remember when uh, Sunday nights mm. was like back to back original series Star Trek, mm-hmm. like. My whole family would sit there and we would have to watch all of this. So, like, all of those stories are, like, that was my first adventure stories. That was my mm-hmm. first type through it. And, like, as soon as they start telling these stories, like, I'm envisioning like, I know this one. <laughs> right. Like, I'm I'm envisioning them all in, like, the, the unnecessarily tight, you know, shirt to the capris and the knee-high black boots, you know, doing ridiculous sign. Yeah, the double-handed, <laughs> you know. Back the, of the, head the bad the badly choreographed yeah horrible fight scenes you know the the blast the phasers that never work you know often cause problems like all of it was this, just like so state of the art the state of the art federation aircraft yeah always has part- has like problems show up on the bridge where shit explodes <laughs> the part where he's like where afterwards he's like I don't know why we have so much, so many problems with the inertial dampeners whenever we have a fight. (laughs) (laughs) You'd think they'd fix that by now. Looks looks directly in the camera. (laughs) Yeah, it was just it was it was funny. Like when they have those moments of lucidity, and they're like, "What the hell is going on? None of this makes any sense." Because if you ever watch, like Star Trek, was only good episodically. Like you cannot binge it. If yeah. you binge it, the Starship Enterprise is the poorly is the worst assembled vehicle in all time. <laughs> I guess like, yeah. I, I binged Star Trek: The Next Generation. They and in the season one, I think they jettisoned the warp core like four times. You're like, I guess How? yeah. I guess TNG entertainment every five minutes. TNG they did fix a lot. Like they did s- stop doing the same plot threads of the main show. T- I mean, after a while. TG is not without its sins. <laughs> no, no, I didn't say it was not. I was it like, did not- they did not do the same like thing that the OG 
show yes. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But T- the OJ yeah. show didn't take itself that seriously. Like yeah. it was, it knew it was. It had a budget of thirty five bucks, and that was it. Like it knew, it didn't know it was going to become a cultural phenomenon. And like they, they're getting the idea with TNG, and like that's yeah. what this. After season like. one of TNG, they realized, holy shit, we yeah, might we have got lightning got in a bottom. And then the ship, and then the yeah. show grew a beard. Yeah. <laughs> I would that that's yeah. how you figure success is somebody grew a beard on the show. Well that's what the Riker, that's figured, Riker. Riker yeah. grew a beard and then TNG got good. It's very it's actually the correlation is very close. <laughs> tell um, me I'm wrong. Go and rewatch it and tell me I'm wrong. I'm not. Uh, I, I, I can't argue with the power of the beard. Like, yeah. the, so TOS was only three seasons. The original series was only three yeah, seasons. Yeah, which is wild to me. Mm-hmm. It considering that remember it and was canceled. one of the most definitive sci-fis of our generation. Right. Yeah, it was canceled before the 70s and then I, th- I believe motion picture was 79. So mm-hmm. what ends up what ends up happening is TO, TOS disappears and then becomes a franchise with with all of the TOS era movies based on the strength of its syndication. So when yeah. it made it to syndication, episodic format is what saved the the entire IP was the strength of individual stories. The cast I mean, of TOS and the and the scripts cuz we all I mean we all see the vinyl and the cardboard and no budget. So mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's it's the Which way is why it's great. It's the way the the characters get along with each other. It's the writing of Spock and Bones and Kirk and and, Uhura and Scotty. And it's um and it's the the power of individual narratives that that the mm-hmm. reason why I'm gonna we, tell we're you, even talking about this right now. I didn't really watch the original Star oh my Trek. God. It's so great and horrible I mean, at the same time. I'm I'm gonna tell you, I didn't but the movies like my other than my, the first one. My parents one so my parents were OG Trekkies, but yeah. they had they had me watch the shit out of TNG. But the movies, like I can't tell you how many times I watched Star Trek four. Okay. To, to, Wales, that's, it, yeah, the, voice that's the best yeah. one. Yeah, exactly. I I like Spock is good Search too. for Spock is great. Uh Wrath of Khan is awesome. I I lost anytime anytime Star Trek 4 was on, I was glued to the television. Yeah, still to this day. Like I will watch the like, shit out of that. I still like, remember that stupid, I still re- yeah, I still remember that stupid uh punk song. That like I like, think I think back on it and I'm like, why did I watch like the the yeah. entire plot of that movie is so bad. Like, why did I watch that so many times? But, they but didn't it's need just to like do any of that shit. Like, yeah, they, they didn't need to do any of that. But work. like, and I think that's what this book really hits. Is it's just like it hits those like sort of like those nostalgic parts of your brain. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've seen. You know, I've seen the like Kirk's fight with the Gorn with the freaking two handed. Magically created gunpowder by just throwing shit in. A- in a tube. Like, you know, like I didn't really watch I didn't really watch a whole lot of Kirk stuff. Like Oh my, my god, we need to my mom parties on here of the original series. Yeah. Please God, please let I don't know how that works, but we'll figure it out. Uh but I, like I will do that. We'll do that every Saturday. Fuck that. This is great. And Episodic reviews. We won't show the footage of this reviews of the episodes. There you go. Yeah. And I just like I like I get it that I missed out on some things, but also like at that age, I was like, whatever my parents had me watch, and they were like, watch TNG because I'd watch I'd I'd watch Star Trek 
the next galaxy with uh, or the next generation with my parents yeah. and then they they'd rewatch the movies they didn't rewatch the old shows they'd rewatch the movies so this is why trivia teams are 4 to 6 everyone's got holes yeah, <laughs> and you catch them up, and and I mean that's that's what we're doing with the book reviews. You know? There are a lot of these books I never would have read. Yeah, and so there's a cultural exchange here. Yeah, and um, I was actually I was I, I was tentatively excited for this because of how how important Star Trek is to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, heck, we're in our basements on a sci-fi podcast. So I oh mean, shit, we all are in our basements. I forgot. <laughs> Stargate SG One, Stargate Atlantis, Stargate Universe. Um, Babylon Five, Farscape, I mean, Deep Space Nine, Bam, Bam, Bam. You know, so I mean, this this was like, I hope this is good, and it was, it was, it was I, honestly, yeah. I, I I feel that Deep Space Nine is where Star Trek started taking itself a little bit more seriously mm-hmm. than it should, and you lost some of the campiness that would oh, yeah, drew me yeah. to watch it. There's there's no camp in Deep Space Nine. The entire thing is is a metaphor yeah. for uh yes. for, former Yugoslavia and everything. Yeah, um, the the fact that like when Tasha Yar got killed by Tar, literally just a blob of tar just is like, I'm going to kill you. Those in and, season one of TNG. Yeah. yeah and TNG. you're like like that, like okay, that, that's that period eighty seven yeah. to ninety four. Yeah. That was that was idiotic. Like <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, I did mention earlier, TNG is not without its sins, and um, no, Patrick's, but that was, that yeah. was still the right level of, of like yeah. tongue-in-cheek campiness, but a little bit more serious, you know, like yeah. they, yeah. they face yeah. some serious issues. People could like main characters could die, <laughs> right? But like you still had, even you though know, we the all wanted Wesley life. Crusher to die. Sorry, Will Wheaton. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But you're still like like the first few seasons of start of the next generation. Like you'd watch, and you'd be like, "Does this really happen? Do uh, we really have a god creating pretending to be a French soldier?" Q. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it made no sense, but it was like enjoyable. No sense. Like you mm-hmm. knew it was a god dumpster fire, and you were gonna watch it every fucking week at eight o'clock, you know, or whatever time. <laughs> Deja Q. Deja Q is such a good episode. Yeah. So uh, fucking any episode with Q was great. Honestly, they were a co- they were a coin flip. Let's be real. No, I liked all of them. Like all of the Q episodes. I hated the Robin Hood one, but okay. <laughs> um. So, but anyway, back to this book. Like, this book for me gave me all the feels. Like in my yeah. head, I was watching it in a you know original series episode. The same shit that didn't make any sense. You know, there's the bad thing. Let's run towards it. Um, the way people were die. One that sticks in my head really strongly is an episode where they go to this planet and the planet is designed to let you live out your fantasies mm-hmm. and like half of them died and they had no idea what's happening but they didn't really die they were just repaired and the, the menagerie yes parts one and, and two. yes and that was like you're like what the fuck is happening yeah you are <laughs> right, you're, blew it together. your dork is very strong city like, on the edge just, of forever yeah all of those beautiful. I loved them. Every uh, time you think you can out nerd Brendan, I think no, I, don't, I, don't think I, can. I don't try to out nerd Brendan. There are some things that cannot be done. Space Seed with Khan. That was a good episode. Yes. I just remember, like, and then I read the books and how, like, the gateway. Yeah. That's the city on the edge of forever, right? The one with the gate? Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. And that one is uh, was built by Q's people, according to a book called Q Squared. Retcons, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. 
Anyway, we have completely trounced all over this book. It took <laughs> us well into our nerd basics. I fucking loved it. Ben uh, gets gets ten stars for yeah <laughs> overtapped. Like I enjoyed this one more than any other story, and one story less that I picked, actually I uh, thought old. Ba- I think old man's war. You had the same level of like mm, hell yeah. Not too. like this, but old man. Old man's war was another one. Like John Scalzi can write a fucking story. Yeah. Like, he's you know, no. and he's great at Joel. making you be like, what the fuck is happening next. Do you want to see, do you want to see if you can get him get it get him on here again or Oh, I can try. Not to take well, away I think from he's me. a little bit bigger than some other yeah. author authors we've had on, but like this is true. worth a shot. Um not to take away from Mr. Scalzi, but finishing this book all it made me want to do was watch Star Trek. <laughs> so- <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I think that's his same, point. Same I think that's his por- point. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> the, the strength of it is, is is how evocative it is of of our love of sci-fi and and, and why we follow I it. I mean, like, oh, hey, tire tracks behind the wagon wheel, seven guns and a six shooter, but we don't care. You 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 look. So um, Tarantino calls it the umbilical between like the viewer and like pretending willfully knowing that the story isn't real, but following it anyway. And I think that's strong with sci-fi, yeah. especially with Star Trek. So, September 19th, Scalzi's got a new book coming out yes. called Starter Villain. Um, but since Brennan's back, and otherwise it would have been Missy's turn and Missy's not here, Brendan, do you have a book suggestion? Yeah, um, I had three I was tossing around. Um, I was picking some some bangers. I was picking some Hugo and Nebula winners for a while there. I swear um, if you throw up me another fucking like, historical fiction bullshit again, I'm going to get mad at you. Oh, that book was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> gonna, like, I would prefer to not read anything real in this podcast. <laughs> All right, no more nonfiction. We're going to watch the movie, but no more nonfiction. Um, <laughs> I, I honestly do want to get to a watch party i think that would yeah, be a lot yeah. of fun not right. not for the podcast oh. to be fucking useless but like for are we feeling are we feeling sci-fi different? let's go sci-fi sci-fi okay Cry okay. you war oh okay all right would we want to we didn't do the forever war yet did we no we have, we have not. not i've let's talked about it yeah, we've we've mentioned it many times. Um, it was one of the the graphic novel version was very formative to me as a kid. Um, let's go Forever War. Let's just do it. Ooh. Is that Bradbury? No, no, no. It was uh, it was it was a, a I forget his name. He was a Vietnam vet. I'm looking it up. Uh, 1974. Oh, uh, Joe, Joe Haldeman. I do know that there's certain things that are. Um, <laughs> it won the Nebula and the Hugo. Yeah. <laughs> there we are. I do know there's some controversial parts about this one, but also it was about his experiences in Vietnam. So yeah. we're going to work it with it. It is not available on Scribed. That's fine. So audible it is. Audible it is. Yeah, it's a, it's a good... It's. I've read this one. I think two or three times. So it's a good. Um, it's going on the board. For those at home, we'll be reading the novel, not the graphic novel. Thank so you, we'll, Brennan. We'll I was about to suggest that. It's about a Vietnam re- veterans. Um, 
experiences with coming back from the Vietnam War. It's really interesting from that point. Oh well, they they have like relativity and like time distortions. And it's shit. it's That's awesome. It's it's yeah. allegor it's allegorical. So it is science yeah. fiction, but it's told from the perspective of him and his experiences as a yeah. as a vet. Um, yeah, it's how it, what he it, he experienced coming back from Vietnam and like, um, what it plays with uh, relativity and the passage of time is a strong mechanic. Yep. Yeah. It's under it's under two hundred fifty pages. I think it's yeah. It's a short one. Two thirty six. Yeah. So. yeah right it's then. a it's a fun novel. I've read it like like I said two or three times. I don't think there's a follow-up novel on it, so you don't have to worry about getting into that sort of situation, Joel. Um, no, yeah. I'll, I'll find one. I've already seen the Forever War Three, <laughs> so yeah, like it's it's got a rabbit hole, which I've was weird because he encounters he, do, like, it enca- he encounters humanity when it reaches a singularity. Sorry, spoilers. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah it's a fun book. Peace. Yep. Um, so that's all we've got this time. I, you know, I know we didn't. I mean, we it was only an eight-hour book, so we didn't have a whole lot to talk about. And I guess it was more like gushing about our Star Trek fandom. But uh, thanks everybody for watching. And uh, again, uh, we'll catch you again on Thursday. We'll be doing some Dungeons and Dragons, and then. Uh, Next Tuesday, we'll be continuing our exploration on the Angels of the Emperor, a.k.a. the last ten um, Legiones Astartes of Warhammer 40k. So, bye everybody. We'll see you again on Thursday.